Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Thank you, Stanley. I first of all want to, I really want to thank the, the fact that we have a good relationship between our, our minister of music and the minister of music at GCA. Mark and Richard have been friends for a while, and look how this kind of comes to fruition. So good to have you guys here. It really is. And it's kind of nice to see some of these faces that we haven't seen in a while. Anderson, Rory, and it's good to have you always back, Autumn. But all of you, we're so excited that you're here. Um, one of the things I do want to say, because of the, the things that have transpired this week, I just think it's, it's really important that we, um, I know Stanley alluded to it in our prayer, but I really want to give mention to this as we think about how we surround people within our church. So I just want to say that the, some of the things that have transpired this week have stirred up emotions in all of us. Sometimes uh, those emotions cause pain. And so with this pain that we experience, seeing others suffering, that's human for us to feel that way. But how we respond and the words that we say, the things that we do, is our calling as Christians. So the shootings that have taken place this last week leave us wondering why on so many different levels. And for those of you that feel sad, we hope that today you will find some comfort in the gathering of this community. However, for those of you who may feel worried, angry, maybe fearful, and at times hopeless, I would hope that there would be some semblance of not just comfort, but a surrounding of us as we think about some of these things that come as a result of our looking at the violence and seeing some of the racial hatred that we are actually noticing from all areas of our world. So today, besides the comfort, I hope that together we might find words that can provide a determined support that bring an understanding that none of us are alone in this struggle. I know that words can just be words, but when they come from a true heart of compassion and a desire to understand that we can provide meaning and a sense of peace that is so desperately needed right now. So as Christ finds your heart, may you find your response. It actually follows really well with what we've been talking about the last three weeks regarding who we are as followers. The first week we talked about that follower, that brand new follower on the cross next to Jesus, who followed Jesus absolutely nowhere. And he, he couldn't move. Now, he did follow Jesus to his own life, to his own salvation, as Jesus became the destination. The next 
week, we talked about Jesus as the true shepherd, and yet how he reveals himself to us and continues to reveal himself to us on this path of life, we get a chance to also understand our role, not only as followers, but his disciples in sharing the gospel with others. Feed my sheep. Today, I'd like to talk a little bit about the idea of what it means to be a follower. And just like you saw on the screen, who are his followers? Who are those people? You know, the Bible always uses the analogy or the metaphor of a road. It's, it, they, they use it in so many ways. Uh, Paul was, in a way, uh, his life changed on the road. Jesus used the road with his disciples for teaching, for healing, for providing a sense of mission and vision. And then he converted others and there were lives changed on this road. I think the road is this, is this idea that we have from point A to point B, but it's more than that because the gospel comes down and intersects our path and changes the way we look at life. Sometimes it changes our entire direction. But many times, all it does is it helps reveal Jesus to us in this time to help us understand our place next to him. There is no better illustration of this than what Luke points out in Luke chapter 24. There's these two men traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And while they're traveling... They're talking about the incidents that just took place in Jerusalem. This this unbelievable time of ups and downs and really low times. And now there's this confusion even in their minds. The resurrection has just happened. And they're talking intently. It says in Luke 24 that they are in this deep conversation. And this stranger walks up between them and butts in. And he says, so what are you guys uh, talking about? And they sadly, it says they sadly look and they say, are you the only person who has just been in Jerusalem and not know what has just taken place? They kind of chastise him a little bit. And then they kind of tag team back and forth. This Jesus of Nazareth that we knew, he was our leader. He was crucified. They led him into the hands of the Romans. And our high priests, the people that we thought we were trusting, they were the ones that betrayed him. And then he goes to this crucifixion, down to the, to the grave and into the tomb. And then we get shocked because some of the women on our group go down to the tomb and they, they're just on and on and on. And Jesus, this stranger to them, is just listening. He just hears them out. And finally, when there's a break in the conversation, he says, come on, you guys. Isn't this what we have all been studying all of our lives? Isn't this what we memorized in our memory verses? Isn't this what we've read about all through our schooling? And he starts to explain to them the prophecies, the Old Testament, all of that, how that led up. He says, it was already told to us in the past that this was going to happen. Now, Cleopas, that's one of the guys that was with him, he says that he just like mouth dropped open. They didn't know what to think of this guy. Who is this telling us 
what is going on? And so they kind of are connected in a way with him. They're captivated. So when they came to Emmaus, they weren't sure if they should go on with him, but they they knew that they were at their destination. So they said, why don't you come to to our home? So they invited him in and he went in. So here he is. They're all getting ready to eat. And it says that Jesus breaks bread with them. They still don't know who it is. This is how Luke points it. He says, taking the bread, he blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. What a great time. And then it says he disappeared. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, it's just, I love this moment right now because you can imagine Cleopas going, you, you did see that, right? That was Jesus. He was here. I'm not dreaming this, right? I mean, we all saw that. Now, they had just taken this long trip to Jerusalem. But it didn't matter anymore. It didn't matter whether it was nighttime. It doesn't matter that they were just had food on the table. It didn't matter that they had just made this long journey. They immediately got up and left and went back to Jerusalem. Couldn't keep it. This does not belong just in Emmaus. We have got to tell everybody else. So they get back. They get back to, um, to Jerusalem, it says. So they got up immediately and rushed back to Jerusalem, all seven miles, where they find the 11 gathered together, the 11 plus others. Before Cleopas and his companions can tell their story, the others have stories of their own to tell. Isn't that what the gospel is all about? Isn't that what it means to share the gospel, that you have your story, but all of a sudden you realize everybody else has their story too, and they're just back and forth wondering who's, you know, you had a, okay, and they're just going like this back and forth, and then Jesus shows up in the midst of all of this, and everybody just goes silent. (laughs) And Jesus is there. They're all looking at him. They see the scars in his hands. He shows them his feet. But they're all like, what is happening here? And guess what Jesus says? So you guys got anything to eat around here? (laughs) And the disciples are like, yeah, here's a fish. And they give him a broiled fish. So you get this picture of Jesus gnawing on a fish. And he goes, you guys do know that this is why I was here. This is what I was telling you all this time. They're all still like, uh-huh, And so Jesus sits and goes over what probably he said a little bit to Cleopas and his friend on the trip to Emmaus. And Jesus shares with them how it has been prophesied. This is why I'm here. But then he goes on and he says something that I think gets missed a lot of times in the context of all this excitement. He says, this is what the scripture said, that the promised anointed one, which, which should suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that his name, a radical change of thought, and his life would be preached, and that in his name, the forgiveness of sin should be preached beginning in Jerusalem and extending to all the nations. You see what, what Luke is doing here? This is actually Luke's version of the Great Commission. He's saying, yes, it's going to start here in Jerusalem, but it's going to go further than this. 
you are not going to be the only ones that get to share this story. That's what the gospel is. Those are the, those are the followers of Jesus that they start to realize that it's not just about them, about this time, and about what they've experienced. It goes. Now, the word nation, by the way, is used here, and it's used in Matthew when it says, go into all the other nations, teaching them to observe. That word is actually a Greek word that's actually where we get the word ethnic. It's ethnos, ethnos. This word is translated many different ways, not just nation. This word is also translated Gentile and heathen. Because the, the, the Jews use this word as anyone other than us. Those ethnos, those people who are not us. And Jesus is saying, guess what, everyone? This goes also to the ethnos. These people who are not you. There is no story that replicates this understanding better than the next story that Luke tells in Acts chapter 8. He has another story of somebody traveling down a road. Now, this is not, by the way, just happenstance that Philip is on this road. Philip is given a direct order, go to this road south of Jerusalem, go there, and he went. And there he is on this uh, road leading out of Jerusalem down towards Gaza. And he is looking around. Maybe he sees some travelers on this road. Maybe he sees a chariot. But then we read that this chariot is pretty important. So here's what he says. He says, then Philip received another prompting from the Holy Spirit. Go over to the chariot, climb on board. So he started running until he was even with the chariot. Philip heard the Ethiopian reading aloud and recognized the words of the prophet Isaiah. He said, do you understand the meaning of what you're reading? Can you get this? Here's, here's, here's Philip. He's saying, okay, where? The chariot, okay? And he goes starting to run alongside of the chariot. And he's saying, hey, do you know what you're reading there? <laughs> and you can only imagine, you know, I know how it is in my car when somebody wants to talk to me and I'm rolling down the window. What, what? Yeah. And that's what this guy is doing. He goes, anybody who's willing to run alongside of a horse-drawn chariot, I need to stop. So he orders the man to stop the chariot and he welcomes Philip on board. And he says, well, in answer to your question, I don't know if I can understand without someone in a way guiding my understanding. And Philip at that point starts to tell about how Isaiah talks about this, this person who will come and change everything, who will alter how the world looks at freedom and liberty and how the world looks at salvation. He'll alter all of that. And then he asks this really good question. The, the eunuch, this Ethiopian eunuch who's on the chariot, he asks a question. He says, is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And that's the cue for Philip to go, okay, I need to tell you about the gospel. I need to tell you about Jesus. And so he goes on and he tells the same thing that Jesus had just said to to his own disciples, talks about what this is all really about. And then, the, then this Ethiopian eunuch. Now, I have to understand, we all have to understand that this is a really significant point. 
because the Ethiopian eunuch was not, was probably just coming out of Jerusalem, was not allowed in the temple. Foreigner plus eunuch, there is no way he's touching the floor of the temple. He understood that. He might have come to, to Jerusalem to truly understand what Philip had just told him. But this Ethiopian eunuch was asking the wrong people. He was asking people who had already pushed him aside, shunned him, and said, you're not welcome and you're not accepted. But after Philip talks, he says, what prohibits me from being baptized? And there is no response given. All that happens is the next thing you see is Philip and the eunuch are down in the water being baptized. This, this is quite possibly the very first convert who was non-Jewish, the ethnos. And so there, so there he is, he's baptized. That's a significant piece for us all to understand. And I say this because, you know, what we usually do is we go, you know, we should do that too. We should be preaching this gospel, this good news to the ethnos. But guess what? We're the ethnos. We're the ones who are that Ethiopian eunuch. We're that person because we're the same people. So, as we think about this, as we think about the idea of understanding that we're on that side, we are the people who choose. Yes, we can choose still, but we don't get to choose who follows Jesus. We get a chance to walk alongside and just be part of the sharing. Jesus does the choosing. Jesus does the calling. And he calls you and me. He calls us because we are part of that. Thank God we're part of that. So what, how are we going to respond? When we think of what it means to share the gospel and to live life beyond the cross, when we see that today, we have to understand that we are also being the ones targeted by nudges that people are, that God has given to other people. And there may very well be a day when you say, you know what? God sent that person to my chariot for me to understand him better. We have to understand that as followers, we are constantly back and forth with this idea of knowing that God continually, continually is calling us to follow what will be our response. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. 
We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.